Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Front Office Podcast. New sports podcast coming at you with uh, some just great entertainment, some great opinions, and some great experiences as well. And a little bit of fun, too. Uh, this is a four-man podcast. We're having a lot of fun. I'm Ryan the Goose Gosker here with you, as always, checking back in. And, man, I just loved episode one so much. I had to get the boys back together. So we'll start it. We'll go We'll go in age order on this one. Jolan, uh, my buddy, my pal, welcome back to the podcast. Whoa, age order puts me last, man. What is going on here? But, yeah, good to be back. Well, Great to be back. Episode two, a little double dip. You know how you know, it is. Youngest first. Youngest first. What about the birthday guys? Yeah. We're, we we're going to get to you month. guys. The two old guys had birthdays this week. <laughs> Well, this is why I had to put Joel on first so I could put a spotlight on our two uh, birthday boys uh, who just turned 25 and 25, respectively. Uh, Zach Kruk is with us. Krucky, what's going on? Again, man, this is uh, this is a blast. Ready to talk sports and, and get it rolling. And as always, we've got our Dr. Vin Prisbolinski with us, Doc. What's going on? Oh, everything's good, Goose. You know, I'm in the settling to retire life. Uh, today was a run, dunking donuts and planting some grass seed. There you go. Gotta love that. And Gotta we've love already it. we've already made some improvements here on the podcast. Doc's got the new mic. Jolan finally has a camera that he finally remembered about this morning. Uh, so let's have some fun with it, and gentlemen. As we do, it's always it's got to be fun. If it's not fun, we're turning these mics off. And we're going home. Joel, do you want to kick us off here? Yeah, I mean, we got plenty to talk about here. Let's kick us off with something that Ryan just schemed up like about an hour ago. He wants to do a thing called Around the Room where we talk about our favorite teams of interest. Doc, let's start with you. Let's start with the Steelers. Where's your head at with this team? Where's your head at with Matt Canada? Do you trust Kenny Pickett? Well, you know, it's a good question. Uh, the game Monday night was tremendous. I mean, if you're a football fan... Man, that was awesome. But it was defense. You see that defense wins games. We're only two weeks in, so I'm not getting too crazy. Um, everybody criticizes Canada all the time. I'm not ready to give up after two weeks. Pickett needs more time. Um, I'll tell you what, when I look at this game, great football game, great entertainment. I want to make a comment. Um, I know we're going to get to Chubb. But I'll tell you what, the class that the Steeler fans showed during that injury was tremendous. The fact that they chanted his name and gave him an ovation leaving the field. I mean, that's a team where there's a lot of hatred. That was awesome. But, you know, I want to see the offense click in. I haven't seen any much from uh, Najee yet. Um, we'll see. Um, they got Vegas this weekend. They're out there on Sunday night. They should take care of business. Hopefully two and one. We'll see where we're at. So do a little bit deep dive on your Notre Dame football. And of course your Yankees as they close out their season, where are they respectively? Um, the Irish got a big game this weekend. I mean, when I look at the big games in South Bend, I mean, back before you two younger guys was born, October 15th, 1988, I was at the Catholics versus convicts game. And that was, again, that big game, all the hype. It was a game the Irish needed to win. 
Fast forward 93 when Florida State comes in with Charlie Ward. Another big game. That's what we have here. Ohio State has beat the Irish the last five times by double digits. They need to get this win. I mean, they're hanging 40 every week on their opponent. Hasn't been a great schedule other than NC State. You got to get the win, and I think they're going to do it. I believe in Hartman. I mean, thirty touched. I mean, thirteen touchdown passes, no interceptions. He's poised. They're four or five deep in the backfield. They got a great O line. Defense is playing great. Got to win the game. I love it. And your Yankees. I mean, obviously, you're not used to being in a fourth, fifth place position this late in the year. How do you feel about this team? How do you feel about heading into the off season? Or maybe well, I'll tell you what, push. with the Yanks, um, I had a plan uh, the other night. My plan was that the Mariners would go four and ten, the Yanks would go eleven and two, and in the process, knock the Blue Jays off all the games, and they'd clinch a wild card. That got blown up uh, three games into my thirteen game plan. Um, look, I like that they're playing the young guys. I like they're throwing the young young guys in the rotation, the Kings, the Britos, uh, Schmidt, uh, Vasquez. That's what they got to do. I'm not worried about their pitching moving forward. They just got to get more left-handed for next year. And as a true fan, I mean, I watch them. I mean, they're down tonight. They're down one nothing. They just can't score. I'm not worried about the pitching moving forward. It really is getting more left-handed that's what they have to do moving forward i love it it's great stuff goose croc we'll move on to you guys goose we'll start with you let's start with the giants and or mets you have the open floor run us down on the teams right now croc you could pick up everything he misses because we share the same fandom by the way <laughs> might be new to yeah. listeners yeah it might be new and uh yeah i'll take the giants obviously they come off this miraculous comeback win after they just get absolutely obliterated by the Dallas Cowboys. It looked like they didn't belong on the same field as this Dallas Cowboy team, and especially that offensive line. And Zach and I have talked about this privately. Evan Neal, Mark Glowinski, that's a problem. You can you can cover up tackles. You can you know keep the tight end in. You can have them chip. You can have running backs chip. You can't cover up two. It, it, it's very difficult to do that. They got absolutely obliterated against Dallas. Then they come out, and they're sluggish against Arizona, to say the least. I feel like sluggish maybe. be uh, – Maybe, you know, maybe giving it too easy. I'll let Krucky use one of his SAT words to describe that. But they came out, they're down 20 to nothing to a Cardinals team that's playing for a kid who's in college right now. They're not even playing for a championship. And the uh, Giants find a way to rally in that game, come back from 20 points down. Defense couldn't get a stop all day long. Finally get the big ones in the fourth quarter. Uh, so, you know, one-on-one, they got to play San Francisco on a short week on Thursday night. No Saquon Barkley, no Andrew Thomas. Honestly, at this point, I consider pulling the plug on Daniel Jones, too, just for the fact of protecting himself uh, is going to be a very, very difficult task against that 49ers defensive line. But I would imagine a lot of Matt Breida, a lot of Eric Ray, uh, a, a lot of that run game and try to get out of San Francisco alive. Now, you go to the Mets. I think the Mets are a more entertaining baseball team right now than they were three months ago. I think they're a lot more fun to watch. I think I've watched more of them now. And, uh, you know, in their last 30 games, I saw a stat. They've won 16 of them. Uh, so they have a winning record over the last 30. Jeff McNeil looks like he's returned to form. Francisco Lindor has just continued to be a guy that haters going to hate. And that's just the way life is. Pete Alonso may be in line for a new contract. I know we're going to talk about that. But it, it, it's one of those things, this Mets team and this starting rotation, 
You know, we said, oh, you know, it's, it's going to be a triple A rotation when you trade the top two guys. That really hasn't been the case. Steve Cohen and uh, and this this unit now with David Stearns, who just got hired, is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And uh, yeah, Crocky, your thoughts as well. I mean, if I missed anything, uh, it, it's really fun time to watch the Mets right now as they try to play spoiler in the NL. Yeah, I mean, it, we'll start. I'll start with the Mets because that's we'll roll into that, and then we'll get to the meat and potatoes of the football. But the I agree with what you're saying there. You want to see these guys play much like doc said about the Yankees. You want to see the young guys playing. You want to see them, uh, what they can do in this really month audition that they have before the season closes out. I've liked what I've seen from Mauricio. I don't know why he was in. We all don't know why he was in the minor leagues for so long, Uh, but really I, I said it last, last pod and I have repeated it most of the season. The uh, what the Mets are going to be next year is largely going to depend on what their pitching staff looks like. Their bullpen's been an atrocity from minute one, and that goes to before the season when they lost Diaz, but the rest of the guys just haven't carried their weight really through the course of the season, with the exception of Robertson, who's been a disaster uh, pitching for Miami, and who knows, maybe back in a Mets uniform next season. But uh, let's close it out strong, and let's see what we got. You know, I I think some of these guys who are in double-A now could very well be competing for spots in the spring. So, uh, it's going to be a very interesting offseason in baseball in New York. As far as the football goes, look, Daniel's going to play. Uh, Daniel's going to compete. He's going to try to win. And it really, the, the football in its most basic form, particularly on the NFL level, it comes down to winning the battles on the lines. The Giants got absolutely obliterated on the offensive line against Dallas. Uh, they didn't look great, honestly, to start uh, in Arizona, but improved. They had some new guys on there. The pass block win rates were much better as a group. I love what I'm seeing from John Michael Schmidt now that he he snapped the ball this second week. He blocked pretty much everything. Um, a tremendous comeback win. And everybody says, ah, it's the Cardinals and this and that. Now, I, I felt like before the Dallas game, I said they really should make a statement to start this season. It was a statement none of us wanted to hear. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way about this San Fran game. You know, it's a, Thursday night games are weird. They they're just they're weird. Weird things happen. Guys are banged up. They they don't have. It's not the same as a Sunday game. It just isn't because there's simply not. An, you're resting half the time, so that's why you see running games tend to do pretty well on Thursday nights. I'm scared of what McCaffrey's going to do for San Francisco, but to me. I want to see something. I want to see something from this offensive line because I'll tell you this, guys, if they can protect this quarterback and allow him to throw the ball downfield, their offense will be exponentially more effective than what we saw against Dallas and this dink-dunk stuff because it seems as though defenses are prepared for that. They didn't seem prepared for what Jalen Hyatt did on the first play of the second half in Arizona. So I'm not taking a ton out of that game. It's a game we all marked as a win on the calendar before the season started. Uh, But they got it in a way that I'm hopeful can propel them forward to at the very least, you know, show some dog in this, in this game on, uh, on Thursday, show some fight, keep it close. If you don't win it, just battle these guys and make them know you're there. Now, let me just open the floor to anyone who has an answer here because it's open-ended, but what are the keys to the success for the giants to win this game Thursday night? if any, because obviously the defensive line for the 49ers is coming ferociously at our offensive line. Obviously, we're missing pieces all over the offense. 
Are there any keys for the Giants to take a victory away tomorrow? I'll go real quick here, Goose, with two. One is the Giants' pass rush. The 49ers line and Brock Purdy have shown that they have allowed some pressure in their first two games. Giants' pass rush has to show up in this game. They have to. They have to consistently get into the backfield. The other one for me is that potential, you know, three, four deep shots off play action. They seem to be much more effective running play action in the second half of that game. And I know you don't have Barkley. It's going to be tough to establish Brita as that type of back. You're not going to use him in the exact same way. Uh, But I think they need to establish that mid-range to deep passing game in this, and they have to give Daniel enough time in that backfield to do it. If he's swarmed, it's never going to be an option, and they're going to become one-dimensional, and that's where it gets ugly. Yeah, I got I got two real quick. Number one, they have to play counter better. If you watch the film from what they did against Arizona, the way they played counter is about as soft as you could possibly play across any line of football uh, that there is from, from professional all the way down to the peewees, down to the flag. They did not defend counter well. I think they maybe get a bump. Micah McFadden is not. He's got a neck injury. He's questionable. I don't think he fits in that role uh, right there. I think Isaiah Simmons is a better fit in that role, especially in this matchup uh, where – you know, Kyle Shanahan is going to be seeking out those mismatches. Number two, very simple. They have to become religious. They have to say a lot of Hail Marys before the game. They have to say a lot of thoughts and a lot of prayers uh, in order to get this one done. But on a on a realistic note, maybe make a play on special teams. Can they get a turnover, right? How'd they win that 2011 NFC Championship game in San Francisco with the help of two fumbles on, on, on punt? So can they find a way to generate a turnover from there? Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, it, number five in blue has got to get going as well. So I know I gave you a couple more than just two, uh, but that that's a big one at the end. Number five for, in blue has to get rolling this week. Now, Doc, as the outsider looking in for this Giants game tomorrow, do you see any possibility that the Giants can come away with a win tomorrow? <laughs> no, I, I, you know, <laughs> what? look, I'd like to see the Giants win. Um, the 49ers have not lost since they acquired McCaffrey, the championship game last year, notwithstanding. They haven't lost a regular season game. I don't see how the Giants can compete without Thomas. And, like, Evan Neal is, like, he's in the game, right? I mean, he's on the line. Yeah, But I can't understand how a guy who I watched at Alabama, he was so darn good could be so bad and then when i look at the injury to barkley and everybody says brita uh do you see maybe uh running back by committee does does a brightwell give you a little more uh in the play action um than let's say brita would give i i haven't seen much out of Brita when I've watched them play, do they go maybe three deep in the backfield trying to make more happen? I just don't see how the Giants can compete. I watched the 49ers against the Steelers. They just devoured them, and I think they're going to do the same thing Thursday night to the Giants. So let's uh, open the floor to a segment uh, Goose wanted to call meat and potatoes. I personally love it. Croc, you referenced something about it before, but it is what it means. It's the most important stuff of the plate. Uh, a couple things around the NFL League that happened this prior week. Nick Chubb went down with an injury. He is going to be out for the year. Let's get your guys' thoughts on that, what it means for the Browns, what it means for the outlook for playoffs, all that good stuff. Goose, let's start with you. 
Yeah, it's just a, an absolute tragedy at all levels. It's very unfortunate. Uh, I think it's very telling that ESPN wouldn't even show the replay, right? I think that's one of those things over the years, right? We see these gruesome injuries, and we're always begging and asking ourselves, why are they showing us this? Uh, and ESPN said, we're just not going to show you because it's that gruesome. And Nick Chubb is, I mean, he's everything for that team, right? I mean, Deshaun Watson, he looks like a complete shell of himself uh, since he's come back from his two-year, basically two-and-a-half-year hiatus. Uh, it, it just, it, he is the heart and soul of that team. And this is his second, what what, what the reports are saying is likely a multi uh, ligament issue here. That's his second one of his career. He had it about eight years ago while he's a freshman at Georgia. You really feel for the guy. Uh, he's everything you could ask for. He's everything in a role model you could ask for. So it was very unfortunate to see him. Uh, Doc, I do applaud your Steeler fans. I thought it was excellent. Uh, the class that they showed and yeah, man, it was very, very unfortunate injury and uh, sad to see a guy like that go down. Doc, your thoughts. Well, you know, as a sports fan, um, you know, I don't want to see an injury like that. I mean, I know it helped the Steelers because uh, I think that gave them a better chance to win the game uh, following the injury. Although I was impressed with Jerome Ford. I mean, I having watched him uh, at Cincinnati, I think he ran all over the Irish a couple of years ago. <laughs> he was impressive. Uh, and I know the Browns have signed Kareem Hunt. So they're trying to strengthen that backfield. But getting back to the injury, I mean, you got a class guy, goes down like that. I did see the injury. It was gruesome. I applaud ESPN and uh, ABC for not showing it. Um, and again, as a sports fan, I don't like to see a guy like that go go down. Um, but I, I still think, you know, the, the Browns will be a, a force. That's a tough uh, division. And um, again, the injury helps the Steelers. But as a sports fan, it was heartbreaking to see uh, that kind of injury. And I applaud as a Steeler fan, I, I applaud the crowd for the class they showed. I know we can think of some other fan bases that probably wouldn't have done the same thing. Croc, let's get your thoughts on it. Let's talk about the injury and then hit on the outlook for the Browns, if you can. What this means for their year, Kareem Hunt signing, all that good stuff. Yeah, the identity of the team's Nick Chubb, right? Even though that Deshaun Watson, which to me looks crazier by the day that he's got the most guaranteed money at the quarterback position in the NFL, because I'll tell you, I don't know about throwing the ball, running the ball and moving. He does not look like the same guy. Like when you look at him, he does not look, he doesn't, that speed and that burst just is not there. He's getting swallowed up in the pocket way too much. And I know credit to some of that to the Steelers, but just, his elusiveness and evasiveness just doesn't seem like what it used to be. I know he's gotten sacked a million times in his career anyway, but Chubb, um, you hate, you just, you hate to see it, man. And a guy like this is such an example of uh, what an NFL football player is. And, you know, an NFL football player who excels at their position and puts in the work and just, you know, grinds it out, workhorse, lunch pail, um, typifies everything we love about the sport right and and to see a guy like this go down with that type of injury where you know it's catastrophic when it happens but I, here's one thing i don't get and i i agree they should not show this injury but didn't they show demar hamlin getting hit like 500 times they were showing that on like a loop last year during that game so it's kind of oh yeah it seems a little subjective to me when they what they do and don't decide but you could tell that the audible gasp from the crowd 
the Steelers crowd there when it was shown on the board was, you know, it, it made your skin crawl because it was like, man, it, that's how gruesome it was. So for the Browns moving forward, as I said, I think that that leans now on Deshaun Watson. And are you going to come close? Not just not live up to it at this point. You're just, if I'm a Browns fan, I'm like, I'm hoping this guy comes close to living up to the money and the salary that he's being paid because I'm sorry, I'm not seeing it. And, and I know he took some accountability for that game, which is fine, but you don't want to stack those when you're a guy who's guaranteed 230 million big ones and uh, came back with this chip on your shoulder like the whole world was against you because of actions that you took that were, you know, shall we say untoward without flat out weird before we, without getting into the details, <laughs> deviant type stuff. <laughs> so to me, he's got to pick it up. I think the defense under uh, Schwartz now, you know, they'll get pressure on the quarterback. The, that defense shouldn't get blown out of too many games, but uh, the offense gave up what? 14 points the other night to the Steelers uh, on, on returns and turnovers. And, uh, so the Browns are always one of these teams. It's like, yeah, we're right there, but we, oh, but we're Cleveland. Yeah. We're, we're, we're we're melting. Like, so it, it is an interesting team though. I'll be keeping an eye on that team. I was certainly more interested when Chubb was still in the mix. Cause like I said, he's just such a fun player to watch. And you just wish, you just really hope that that's not the last snap he took in an NFL uniform. And then bad streak, by the way. Hold on, Joel's bad streak for Monday Night Football. Last oh, yeah. three Monday Night Football games, Tamar Hamlin dies on the field. Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles four plays in, and Nick Chubb with the gruesome injury last week. It really, I, I mean, it, it really. If you when you think about that, and Kyler Murray was the game that, before. Kyler Murray was the game before, so it's four that, in a row. That's Kyler four Murray's in a row. ACL. I mean, you got to be worried, right? I mean, it's as a fan, you're start. You know, you hate. You don't want to say what's next, but. It keeps popping up, and this is a scary part about a violent sport. It's like the Madden curse. Yeah, but if if I can add a positive streak, absolutely, uh, yeah, a dose of feel good. Yeah, right. we always we always need to feel good. <laughs> um, the Steelers haven't lost a home game on Monday night. Uh, I think to the Browns since 1991, <laughs> or a Monday night home game since 1991. That's a good streak. Um, to your point, um, Crucky. You know, with the big contracts, like you look at uh, the Deshaun Watson contract, you look at the Kyler Murray contract, how many of these athletes, even in all sports, are living up to these mammoth contracts? And where does it end? Where does it stop with these two, three hundred million dollar contracts? I'll tell you what, if you'll shift it to the baseball, Juan Soto and his agent have to be kicking themselves for passing up that $440 million contract. But I think we're getting to a point where these big contracts are going to end. They need to end because who's really living up to them? Well, I think the biggest thing there is like the CBA, the more the league makes money, the more the players want in. And I don't think the NFL is stopping anytime soon, but to your credit, yeah, the running back position, especially the market's going down and it's going down fast. I mean, after McCaffrey signed that $18 million per year deal with the incentives, Pollard and Saquon had to settle for $10 million. So, yeah, the market always chooses in America. That's what's so great about it. There but, should be, there has to be a correction at some point on the quarterback position. The quarterback position has skyrocketed in the last couple of years. I mean, 
through the roof with some of these guys. And now you got, now I'm not saying his contract, new contract just started, but it, it, Joe Burrow has had two terrible games and just re-aggravated his calf again. And he's not going to be, they say he's not going to be the same for a while. I don't know what that means. Um, but let's be honest, guys. There's there's always these conversations around the quarterback position in the NFL. He's the next one. He's the great one. He's this Burrow and Herbert and all these guys down the list. There is one right now, and he's not playing that great. And we'll see if is there possibly an Eric Bieniemy effect going on for Mister Mahomes in Kansas City. I tend to doubt it because he seems supernatural. Um, but that offense has not looked explosive the first two weeks. But he has been the guy to the, and he just renegotiated where he's getting yes, like he two, two ten guaranteed over the next four years. He has been the guy of all these guys where you say that guy is just magical. He is he is built of you know fairy dust and pixie dust and stuff that just forms out of midair. Um, and he is the special one in the league right now. But again, the enemy goes to Washington. Suddenly, Washington's ranked seventh in the NFL in offense after two weeks, and the Chiefs are in the twenties. So I doubt that trend holds, but yeah, the QB position is fickle, especially when you factor in the nuances of coaching. And that certainly does uh, factor in without a doubt. I I would say, go ahead. Go ahead. You guys have to like what you saw in the second half with Daniel Jones. I mean, the first year of his contract, I love the guy's legs. I mean, he's probably after Lamar Jackson, is he the best running quarterback in the NFL? He's one of the smartest. Yeah, I, I would say that he's one of the smartest. I'll Slipper. say this. I, I would. Yeah, there you go. I would put good money on the Kansas City offense being OK. Right. We just learned that Travis Kelsey's in a new relationship with Taylor Swift. I think <laughs> I think they're going to be OK. Jason Kelsey says he think that's 100 percent. Now, if you're looking for a downslope, you're looking at the Ravens, right? Odell Beckham Jr. has been reportedly hanging out with Kim Kardashian. The If you just research the list of athletes that have hung out with Kim Kardashian, they, they're never the same. Some of them you haven't even heard again. Where's Chris Where's Chris Humphreys? Did he go overseas? Does anybody know where he is? Okay. Doesn't, not a day goes by that I don't think about Reggie Bush's downfall after dating Kim Kardashian, okay? His NFL career should have been different, okay? There you go. There you go. I, you know, I didn't say it, but go ahead, Jules. Yeah, so a ton of things are going on around the league running back-wise. And Cam Akers makes his way from sunny Los Angeles all the way up to Minnesota. He joins Alexander Madison in a share of touches in Minnesota. What does this mean for the Vikings? What does this mean for Kirk Cousins? He's pacing for 6,500 yards and 50 touchdowns right now. Does he get a break? Does Minnesota have a legitimate chance with Cam Akers running the rock as an RB1? I'll open the floor to anybody who wants to start. Well, Kirk Cousins is going to be a Jet in a week, right? Is that, that, that's what I'm hearing. Those are the rumors flying around. There's no they, way. They, the rumors the are Kirk Cousins is going to be a Jets, uh, although the, the legend and uh, ghost of Bart Starr is going to play for the Jets, apparently, as well, once they're done with uh, back the Zach movement. Have you heard about that, guys? Has anybody heard about this? Back yeah, the Zach. Zach. Seems they, like they, a clap for Trey Turner. They want to do the Trey Turner uh, in New York. Uh, where Zach Wilson has struggled so poorly that they would like to give him a standing ovation and get behind the youngster. And I could just see Crucky, Crucky, your eyes may never come back. You know, rolling that far back. Give him a blankie and a binky while you're at it. (laughs) It's enough with the, oh, let's, let's, let's bring him in to, let's nuzzle him. Like he's this, you know, oh, he's this precious babe that we need to, 
he's an NFL quarterback. He's a number two pick in the draft. Will you please just let the guy play and let the play do the talking? This is everybody in the like, oh, after the game, we saw players coming in with their arm around Zach. Oh, it's so romantic. Like, just play football, just win, and nobody <laughs> will care. Nobody will care. And as far as Kirk Cousins goes, look, I never draft Kirk Cousins in fantasy football, and maybe I should because he has proven himself to be far and away the king of garbage time statistics. Every game, it seems, they go down by 20 points, and he throws for 270 and two or three touchdowns in the second half. It's like clockwork. So I don't think he's going to be a Jet, but I think the Vikings, with or without Cam Akers, that team defensively is a sieve. They are horrendous on every level defensively, and I don't think it makes much difference. I think Kirk Cousins' arm, maybe he throws for 6,000 yards this year because it's going to be like one of those wind-up toys where the arm just keeps spinning. And he just keeps throwing. I I see that. Be- they're playing the Chargers this weekend. They're my <laughs> the over under of that game is the highest by the week by far. I mean, they could put up seventy plus points in that game. That is going to be a defenseless football game. Uh, in my prediction: bet the over. Doc, uh, what are you- with Cousins? I mean, over the past eight years, I think he's averaged twenty five to thirty TD passes a year. And you look at his weapons, and Crucky, you hit you hit the nail on the head. The defense is terrible, but you look at the offensive weapons. I mean, he's got Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson. Who wouldn't want that? And now you add an, another layer to the backfield. Offensively, yeah, they should be hanging 30 points a game. But yeah, again, offense scores points, defense wins championships. That team is a sieve. And yeah, you might win games 38-31, 38-35, become crunch town, uh, crunch time in January. You're going to be in trouble. No doubt. And I would say that Cam Akers and Alexander Madison are playing basically the roles of like Army and Navy wide receivers in college, right? They run the triple option offense and you're either split wide playing receiver getting three catches for the year. I mean, the these guys has, shouldn't touch the ball much. The team has 69 yards rushing. It, so far in 2023, 69 yards. This is the Vikings? Yeah. 69 yards rushing? Yes. Wow. I read that today. Over two games, 69 yards. I mean, Madison, I don't think, has a carry over seven yards this season. Abysmal. I think Bruce can average more than, than that. <laughs> oh, I think you give me the rock. catch. Mm. We started shifting the conversation to like romances. I thought, you know, Goose was going to drift off into relationship land. Oh, you know, geez. but I'm glad you you guys brought it back. Yeah, give me the rock, by the way. My my rushing average would be about 18 and a half yards per carry. Well, we know you can catch the ball. I mean, I've seen it. You can catch the ball. You know, guy 250, 275, whatever you are. I mean, solid. You're like that guy. Um, Conklin, did you see the highlights of that guy? Uh, that the Brown offensive tackle, it's like dunking basketballs. It brought me back to Goose's days at Pompton Lakes High School, you know, when we put him on the basketball court. And I'm not saying he was gonna dunk, but I mean, he's boxing people out, maybe hit a free throw here and there. But that guy, Conklin, what a beast, right? Oh, it's a beast, yeah. These guys are crazy. It, it is, it is really wild, and that was actually. When I worked at Yale for a summer in their strength and conditioning program, that was actually a test that they used to see if the kids were, I mean, basically kind of like good enough to come there. 
was they had like they took like the top talent and they would bring it and see it if they could dunk a basketball. It's just an interesting measure of ath- athleticism. There's just another layer. So did really you demonstrate stuff. goose at Yale? <laughs> did you demonstrate how to do it? Yeah, off a trampoline. Yeah, that was gonna <laughs> say one of those mini trampolines. <laughs> right. Hey, I've seen goose on the uh what is it that that what is that paddle ball game? What is that? Oh uh, pickleball. 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 Yeah. You're gonna get me out there, right? You, oh yeah. You're we're, still we're doing a Wednesday play. thing? Uh well, I'm coaching now, so I, I don't get out till six. So it's kind of so, been uh there's you don't have quiet. the uh key to the lights over at uh <laughs> some pickleball court. The, the lights at Hershey Park. We set up we set up our cars with the headlights facing the uh the courts at Hurstfield and play a little late night uh pickleball. There you go. There you go. We'll uh we'll put that right next to the swing pool on the roof of the high school. Oh so. Lord, that's still going around. <laughs> so to keep it going, uh let's yeah. switch sports right here. Doc, you mentioned relationships. Let's talk about the relationship of Pete Alonzo and the New York Mets. Apparently, they agree on numbers per year, but they don't agree on years. Who do you think should bend the knee here? Should the Mets extend him long term? Croc, let's start with you. You're one one of the Mets insiders right now. Do you think Pete should be extended for as long as he wants at the number they agree on? I wouldn't say as long as he wants. Um, You know, we just talked about contracts that bite you in the rear end. And uh, look, Pete's going to be a DH at some point. I know he doesn't really want to do that. Um, and I just, I have a fear there. It's a, it's a fear that is, doesn't just apply to Pete Alonzo. It applies to sluggers, home run guys who don't really have, um, you know, he's not an exceptional fielder. He doesn't have speed. There's just not the intangibles, uh, other than the home runs or the tangibles other than the home runs aren't many. The home runs are prolific and you want those in your lineup. My fear is, you know, that dries up. Look at what's going on with Stanton right now with the Yankees. Um, I I don't want that. I don't want that six, five, six years from now to look at that and say, wow, he hit 24 home runs this year. He batted 208. Uh, he's a full-time DH, and we got him for five more years. That's not what I want. So I would hope he's reasonable. Look, six years, sign me up. You know, do it. Put pen to paper. Eight to ten years, I'm certainly more hesitant about eight to ten years for a guy who just doesn't offer a lot. You know, if you're going to steal me bases, if you're going to save me runs on the field defensively, and you're going to be able to, you know, you show that athleticism that says you can play into your mid to late 30s. Um, I don't know. Uh, The length of contract does make me nervous, but I'm also confident one way or the other they're going to work it out. Doc, your thoughts on the Pete Alonso contract? I heard you saying something before. Well, you know, Stanton, I mean, right now uh, he's hitting 189, and uh, that's up to the minute, and he's got That's my IQ years. score, Doc. Right. That's my IQ. Right. That's probably my bench press. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but going back to our contract talk, I think that's where we need to kind of uh, recalibrate. I, I like the five or six year deal. Um, these nine, 10 year deals, like who has lived up to the back end of the contract? I mean, we're dealing with judge in New York. Is he really going to, you know, put up the same numbers in year, you know, eight and nine of that contract? No, I like uh, the idea of signing, 
um, Alonzo, but again, uh, a nice contract in the four to six year range would be great. Um, you know, you look at, go back to what Crucky mentioned about Mahomes, you know, redoing that deal. Yeah, they're paying him a lot, but they're paying him a lot over the next four years where you're probably going to get the best production. That's what needs to happen in in MLB, and teams got to be a walk away from these uh, the players who want these big contracts. But as an outsider looking at the Mets, I would love to have Alonzo for five to six years at a reasonable price, but definitely I wouldn't go eight to ten. Goose, your thoughts? Yeah, it's a tricky situation, right? It's a, I don't know if there's a right answer. I do know the right. I do know the wrong answer is ten years. Uh, I can't see you going ten years. That put Pete. That puts Pete. I believe at thirty-eight years old. Um, I I think reasonably, and I think the Mets want five to six years. I would go. Se- I would go between seven and eight, and I'd be kind of up in the air about it. Um, I would lean seven, uh, but if it's going to take eight to get the deal done, I would do it. Um, I'd also be interested to see if the Mets would you know, maybe up a couple, you know, a million or two annually uh, if to get him down from 10 to six years. Uh, it'd be really interesting. Obviously, Steve Cohen can flex that flex that black card anytime he wants to in any which way. So we'll see. But, I, you know, again, I think this is a very encouraging sign because I think the hardest part of any deal is the financials. And once that got – once I saw the report that that had gotten, you know, basically figured out, it gives me a lot of confidence that the Mets are going to be able to sign Pete Alonzo, and that's a really good thing for Mets baseball and Mets fans everywhere, obviously, as they look forward to 2024 and what he continues to do as he wraps up his 2023 campaign. Now, do you guys think there's a chance that with David Stearns now being hired as the new um, president of baseball operations that they maybe move off Pete Alonzo and they try to get younger quicker? I know they offloaded a bunch of older pitchers this year for some talent. Um, in AAA and AA, what do you think the course of action would be if they are trying to restart everything? Do you think Pete gets traded next year, or do you think they try to extend him before any of this happens? I I personally believe if they're going to let Pete go, they should they should ride it out this last this next year because you you already have four four guys came up and got significant playing time. You have another four guys in the lineup that are arguably deserving of a shot next season. That's a lot of young guys to play it all at one time. Obviously, you want to get them reps as much as you can, and obviously they'll have some pitching prospects come up as well. But I, I think that's it, that's overloaded at a certain point. Like you know, you're not going to be one through nine new new guys, right? It's it, first or second year guys. So if I'm the Mets, if you're going to let Pete Alonso walk. I mean, I I think you ride it out this year, you 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 and you would, if you're going to get rid of him, right? I don't think they are. I think Stearns likes the the big power uh, that Pete can provide, especially as he will eventually slide into a DH role. But I mean, if you're going to, I think you ride it out into next year, and then obviously you see if you can get some trade pieces back. Uh, but you you could take those Pete Alonso traded to Milwaukee Brewers takes and send them to the moon. Uh, is obviously that's not happening. And those are very clearly directed at the fact that the Mets are going to take their president of baseball operations in David Stern. So the Mets get the prize, and hopefully they get to keep Alonso as well. Can you guys hear me? Because my my stuff seemed to have frozen up here. I can hear everything you're saying. You guys hear me? 
Oh yeah, hear you yes. loud and clear. All right, good. Uh, yeah, loud good. and clear, and we just love it. We love the gold, <laughs> love the golden pipes. Thank you. Yes. No, I was panicked because I said, "Oh my god, I'm frozen here. My screen's frozen. I got like a white haze over the screen, but I can see and hear you guys perfectly. So that's good. At least you can hear me. But um, look, I do think the the if they were to trade him in the off season, I think that's crazy. I think Goose, what you just said, uh, what Stearns seems to like is the dynamic of the power hitter to go along with pitching, which has always been a, a pretty big staple in Milwaukee, their pitching staff and developing those guys. Um, oh, now we're back to normal. Beautiful. Hey. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think they will ride it out. And I just don't see him leaving. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't see it in my gut. It would be very hard for me to see the Mets say, okay, goodbye. Unless he, again, he's offer he's a, he's demanding nine or 10 years because Doc, you referenced what Judge got. And let's be clear, Judge is an overall better player. He was slightly older when he signed that deal. But Judge has an OPS over 1,000 every year. Judge is excellent defensively until he goes into that DH role whenever it is. Um, but Judge is a complete player. He's an excellent hitter, even though he Ks a lot. But uh, his numbers overall are better. So I don't think uh, – look at the Padres. Look at those contracts, man. I mean, you got like four guys sitting there. No way Soto's coming back. He's going nope. elsewhere. But you got four guys there with 10-year deals. And it's in the toilet right now for that team. And that team has pitched well. I don't know what's going on there. But those contracts potentially could strangle that team for years to come. And and I don't want to see – I like the I like the mid – yeah, Lindor got a 10-year extension. He was also younger. And he's a five-tool player. I, I just want to see it at six or seven. Ideally, that's what I'd love to see. Did, did you guys see the stats on Blake Snell, by the way? Yeah. His stats are stupid. The guy hasn't allowed – isn't he? He hasn't allowed more than three runs all year. Yeah. It's he a, also, though, he never – the man refuses. I think he's pitched into this – I think he's thrown like 12 pitches past the sixth inning. Yeah, he so, came out after seven last night. I, I He do does not that. pitch more than six. He's got a, incredible numbers. Deserves the Cy Young Award this year on that team. Um, but he's not – yeah, he's a horse, but he's not a horse, right? Like right. in the true sense of the word, a, a front-of-the-rotation horse. But he's had an exceptional year, no doubt. And if Aaron somehow, Boone was the manager, he wouldn't pass uh, more than four right, innings. Right. I somehow blame Kawhi Leonard for this. I don't know why. I don't know how. But there's there's Kawhi's some domino fault. effect here where the, the, yeah, the load management has affected everything in sports. But let's carry on. Let me uh, give you guys five games that I find the most intriguing, most intriguing lines. Obviously, we'll add a couple locals in here as well. Uh, we'll call it up in the air. And the game I want to get your guys' opinion on is going to start with the uh, Patriots at the Jets. Bill Belichick has a 35-10 and 10 record against uh, New York Jets. But the Jets' last two victories against the Patriots have come at home, both in overtime, one in 2013 and one in 2011. Does this Jets team offensively have what it takes to beat a Bill Belichick team? I'll open it up to you, Goose. What do you think? I don't know. And, and that's as stark and as clear an answer as I could possibly give you because what do we know about Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick is very good at taking away the one thing that you are good at. And, yes, you could say the Jets have a good run game, and we didn't see it last week. You know, in part because they're 85 Bears defense, 
Uh, and Brees Hall only got four touches, and that's a whole problem. And they're going to have a tea party on social media. They'll get it fixed. Don't worry. But Garrett Wilson is this offense. He's the engine. He's going to get it going. Zach, you mentioned it last week on my radio show. Dava Cook doesn't look the same as he did. Garrett Wilson's the guy. So what is Bill Belichick going to do? He's going to shut down Garrett Wilson. He's going to take Garrett Wilson out of this game. Somebody other than Garrett Wilson is going to have to win this game for the Jets. And that's where I feel like they struggle the most. And Joel, you mentioned the record all, all time, 35 and 10. They have not beaten the New England Patriots since December 27th of 2015. 2015, we were seniors in high school at that time. We were just celebrating Christmas, actually, around that time. It's crazy when you look at the stats in this series. Now, do I think, I will say this, if there was ever a time for the Jets to get the Patriots, it's right now. It, it, it's right now. This Pats team is not the world beaters they used to be. This defense is good, not great, except for Christian Gonzalez, their rookie corner. He's been tremendous, and he's going to have a tough task this week. But other than that, I think, you know, it, this team's not world beaters. And Mac Jones, there's a lot of stats we could run through on Mac Jones as well. He doesn't scare me at all. Uh, so neither does any of his weapons, to be completely honest with you. So this is a close one. It's going to be a close one. It's going to be a tight one. And, uh, well, I'll give this to just edge the Jet fans a little bit. I bet you it comes down to a roughing the passer call. Oh, geez. Doc, let's go with you. <laughs> Patriots at Jets. Uh, the line is minus two and a half, by the way, favored to the Patriots. It's, you know, it's going to be a close game. It's a three, four point game. I like the way New England hung with Miami the other night. Uh, Miami has impressed me offensively. New England uh, hung in there. Um, I think it's a, a close game. Jets are home. I would uh, take the two and a half, um, right? Because the Jet, Jets are getting two and a half. I'll yeah. take the two and a half. I think the Jets will win the game outright in a close one. Hmm. So the Jets snapped the 14-game skid. They do. Against Belichick uh, and the Patriots. And that's, you know, it, to me, I, I this is the gist. To me, the Jets got Kansas City coming up after this. Uh, a couple weeks later, they got Philadelphia. Oof. This is really the season. For those Jets fans who were very optimistic with Zach Wilson, and I saw, I've seen it since the game on Sunday where they got waxed. It wasn't Zach Wilson's fault. It wasn't this. And part of that's certainly true because the Jets' defense did not get off the field. I mean, they were on the field for 43 minutes of that game against Dallas. So you pin some of that on the defense. When you're supposed to be the best defense in the league, you don't let Dak Prescott cut you up for, you know, 31 or 38 for 255 and a couple of scores. Um, and they just didn't look good. I, I The Jets are going to have to, like you said, Christian Gonz, uh, Gonzalez, um, the silent assassin for New Ricky England. Ricky out of Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would assume he'll spend a lot of time with Garrett Wilson. But the other thing is you got guys like Matt, like Judon. Uh, they, they, the Patriots come hard off the edges. And I, Goose, we've talked about it on the radio show the entire summer, that offensive line. Let me tell you something. Aaron Rodgers terribly got hurt in week one. He might not have been, he might've been carried out of Dallas. He might not have made it out of there alive because 
The one thing Wilson has that's better than Rodgers is mobility. Wilson can move. Sometimes it's just backwards, but he can move. <laughs> and he did do a little bit of better, better job stepping up in the pocket, moving around, trying to avoid the rush. The line was abysmal. I mean, the pass block win rates for that Jets offensive line against Dallas. Again, it's Dallas, and they look like they're the best, you know, the most swarming defense in the league after two weeks. But the, the Jets offensive line got swallowed. So if that happens again, and Wilson doesn't have time again, if I'm the Jets, I'm, you know, greasing the squeaky wheels, and those are my running backs in this game. I'm taking Brees Hall. I'm taking Dalvin Cook. I'm taking Carter if he plays. And I'm designing a game plan around that to try to control the ball. And because I think the defense will have success against New England this week. I think they will get to Mac Jones. They will sack him. They will turn him over. Uh, It's just a question to me if they can put up enough points. Let's move on to the next game. Um, Crock, you had mentioned this game before, actually, set for the highest scoring game of the week. The Los Angeles Chargers take on the Minnesota Vikings. The Chargers are favored by a point and a half. The over-under set at 53 and a half. Crock, let's start with you because you mentioned it. Who do you got in this one? I think it's a coin flip. You got two teams that are 0-2. They're desperate for a win. Uh, The Chargers are an enigma. All the talent in the world on offense, but they lose games. They just lose game after game after game after game. And the fact that this game is in Minnesota, my gut says the Chargers are going to win this game. Um, I think they have a tougher time, obviously, doing it in in Minnesota. But uh, I'll take the Chargers in just a wild one with a complete lack of any defensive focus from either team. Doc, let's pass it to you. Chargers at Minnesota. Chargers favored by one and a half points. Uh, I'm taking the Chargers. Um, It's unbelievable that they're 0-2, and I don't think they have a turnover yet. Two games they haven't turned over the ball, yet they've lost both. I love Herbert. I like his weapons. Uh, Kelly's done a nice job. I love Keenan Allen. So oh, yeah. I've, I, I'm a, like a Herbert Keenan Allen fantasy combo guy. I didn't get uh, Allen this year, but I got Herbert. But I think it's going to come down to, you know, it's going to be a high, high score in game. And I think Cousins will turn the ball over um, and the Chargers will prevail in this one. I'm actually glad you mentioned Puka because we didn't mention him in the meat and potatoes thing. That guy's phenomenal. I think when Cooper Cup comes back, he's going to take or not take his place, but he's still going to have a spot in the field where there's eight targets, there's nine targets a game, and we're going to see something historical this year with 17 games. But, Goose, let's go back to you. Chargers at Minnesota, one and a half for the Chargers. Who do you got here? It's a tough game. You got a battle of two evils, right? First of all, Brandon Staley should have been fired last year for the malpractice that he committed in getting his top receivers hurt. That's number one. Number two, he had the awful miracle comeback in the playoffs. That should have got him fired. 0-3, 0-4 might put the nail in the coffin on that one. But you're also looking at it, I think this is a close game. And Minnesota is that last year they were 11-0 in one-score games. This year they're 0-2 so far. I think... I, I just I, I like the Chargers. They got they have to get a win. They're in the AFC. It's a much tougher conference to come back from from down 0-3, basically. Uh they gotta get a win this weekend. I think the Chargers find a way uh to squeak this one out. I think it comes down to whose defense gives up less points, like any other football game, but for this there one, you it's, go. Gonna be, it's gonna be set at like 30, I think. Um let's continue of our interesting games of the week. 
Tennessee Titans at the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland's now still favored by three and a half points after losing Nick Chubb. Obviously, they're the home team. But I wouldn't sleep on Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and DeAndre Hopkins. Goose, let's start with you. Tennessee at Cleveland. Yeah, I'll sleep on Tannehill, not the rest of them. Um, but I'll tell you, a Mike Vrabel coach team is a very difficult team to beat. Obviously, the Browns coming off the emotion uh, of losing Chubb for the year. But you mentioned uh, Jerome Ford did a great job. Uh, he did a great job in Cincinnati as well, uh, you know, against some other opponents, not named the Irish. And, uh, you know, we'll see what Kareem Hunt adds for them in that in that backfield. That's a tough game. Cleveland's at home, right, Jules, in this one? Yeah, they are. Yeah, I, it just, I don't know. I'll just take the home team in this one. Feels like a coin flip type game. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. I'm not completely sold on Tennessee yet. Uh, maybe they can make me a believer after this weekend. I drafted D-Hop, so that's my take on that. There you go. Right, let's go with you, Vinny P. Uh, we got Titans at Cleveland. Cleveland's favored by three and a half. Um, I think coming off the emotion of Monday night, um, Cleveland's at home. Uh, I certainly lay the three and a half. I still like their weapons. I was impressed with uh, Ford the other night. Uh, you know, a guy like Cooper is going to get healthier. They got Najoku. They got a lot of weapons. Um, it comes down to do they execute with uh, Watson. Um, look, I, I'd love to see the Titans win. As a Steeler fan, I you know, the Browns can't lose enough. But if I'm, uh, if I'm betting my money on this game, I'm, I'm taking Cleveland. I'm laying the three and a half. I think they uh, prevail in an emotional uh, game, emotional environment. They'll get the win. Croc, let's end with you. Titans at Browns, three and a half to the Browns. Yeah, I kind of like the Browns also. There's something about the Titans. I don't know, man. I mean, I'll watch any football game that's on TV, whether it's the worst team in the league or, or the best team in the league. There's something about the Titans. Watching the Titans, it just bothers me. Like, it's just – it's almost like, ugh. Like, it's just like there's no – there's no thunder. In, uh, well, there's thunder with, <clears throat> with obviously, Derrick Henry, but it's just a, a – there's just not a lot exciting ever about this team. Like it, to me, they're just one of these get you in the dirt, try to try to suffocate you in the mud type of teams. And it just, they've always seemed just unentertaining to me as a team. And I, I, I know Vrabel, one thing they do exceptionally well is stop the run every year, but they're just a team when I sit like on a, on a, a Thursday night or a Monday night or a Sunday night, if I'm, See, it's the Titans playing. I'm just like, ugh. All right, I'll sit through it. But it's, <laughs> Crucky's not a Browns. Nashville is no, not no. looking uh, down upon Crucky very well. No, that's no, true. I mean, when they were the number one seed, what a year or two ago, you knew they were going knew down. You, you knew, knew it. it. Like, just forget about it. I mean, they are giving up, you know, 300 plus yards passing. So if uh, Watson can execute a little bit. You know, they should win. But I agree with you, Crucky. When I see the Titans, nothing ever excites me about them. They were, uh, you know, you knew as the number one seed a couple of years ago, they were going out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So from Cleveland, Ohio, we go all the way to Sin City and Las Vegas. Doc, for your Steelers, they take on the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are favored by two and a half points. Doc, your team, let's start with you here. Raiders favor by two and a half. This is like easy money. I mean, <laughs> the Steelers are going to win win outright. I think you're going to see the offense click a little bit because the Raiders' defense stinks. I don't think the Raiders are, are that good. The Steelers have a great D, as we saw the other night. So 
you know, I, I just don't see uh, Jimmy G, um, you know, penetrating the Steeler D. Look at the Steelers, probably you're not going to hang 30, but, you know, 27, 13, 24, 13, that's the story. I would take those points in a heartbeat. Steelers will win it outright. Goose, who you got here? Steelers at Las Vegas, Las Vegas, two and a half points. Yeah, by the way, I'm just going to go real nerd real quick. This is going to be awesome to watch the defensive lines. Watching Max Crosby and TJ Watt play football is just, you know, if you don't like line play, I'm sorry. I probably don't like you. Uh, they are tremendous at what they do. TJ Watt, I mean, is is right in that conversation uh, of early defensive player of the year, just two games in, obviously, uh, but up there with Micah Parsons. He, he's a beast. He does his job. He does everything for this team. Uh, and and Max Crosby does the same for the Raiders, right? I mean, uh, maybe not the same exact impact, but, I mean, the guy gets after the – he gets after the quarterback. I just think at the end of the day, uh, I like the Steelers to go on the road here, and uh, I like uh, I like my guy George Pickens to have two touchdowns in this game. So there's, there's my prediction. You know what they say at the end of the day? It's the end of the day. Croc, we go to you, Pickens. Pittsburgh at Las Vegas, two and a half for Vegas. I agree with the guys. I like the Steelers out right here. Listen, I could listen to Mike Tomlin press conferences on a loop. I love that guy. Uh, just listen, like seriously, the, the his manner of speaking. There's some. It's like it, it's it's. There's something entrancing about it. You just you, you like. I was watching his press conference the other night after the Browns game. Just the way he speaks, I could just watch that guy nonstop. I don't know if the Raiders are going to have any receivers for this game. Devontae Adams almost had his head taken off at the end of that game the other day. Uh, who was the uh, – uh, was it Jacoby Myers in Raiders? So, I don't know who's going to be – Josh Jacobs looks like he's running in mud with cinder blocks on his feet. I understand what has happened to him. But I just don't see the Raiders winning. And, and again, they're – yeah, Doc said it. Their defense is atrocious some points i think the steelers are due here also for a cleaner offensive game and i think we'll see it especially prime time monday night you know it's it's one of those games that back in the day this was like a game you'd wait all week for even as a fan of neither of these teams uh steelers and raiders so uh just hoping for a good yeah. game there some not, night out on the street not to make you guys jealous or anything <laughs> but the the bumblebee jersey is already out it's uh, ready to go. And, uh, you know, I'll be away for the weekends watching the game at my favorite bar restaurant, State College PA. No need to get up for work the following morning. So it's going <laughs> to oh, be, uh, be a great Sunday night. Are you going to be singing Oh Canada before the game? Is that how that works? <laughs> <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> that, that guy's going to be sent to the moon. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you know, um, there was a couple of years ago when the Steelers played the Chiefs in the first round of the playoffs, and you knew the Steelers were going to get blown off the field. And I was in State College. We went out to watch the game in like a five, six inches of snow, and it's just awesome environment out there. Yeah, we're not all the way out in Pittsburgh, but the bar that I was at is a U-shaped bar, and it was shoulder-to-shoulder, Steeler fans in Steeler jerseys watching – the game it was awesome and that's the environment i will be in this sunday night no snow but i will be there bumblebee jersey on 
So the last of the five most interesting games of the week, I, I want to give it to Philadelphia Eagles at Tampa Bay. The reason I put it at the fifth one is because Tampa Bay is still undefeated with Baker Mayfield, and the Eagles kind of don't look the same from their Super Bowl run of the last year. Jalen checked down Hurts, fullback playing quarterback, what? But besides the point, Philadelphia is still favored four and a half points in Tampa Bay. Goose, we'll start with you. Um, yeah, Philly at Tampa. You know I'm not a big Lions guy, but I mean – Take Philly and run to the bank. I mean, goodness gracious. Now listen, Baker Mayfield's a great story. He's always been the the not believed in guy, the two-time walk-on, the the came out of nowhere Heisman and number one pick. And it is such a cute story that is gonna end this week. And as he's gone two and oh to start this season, listen. He's done a great job relying on Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And if I'm going to say anything, if they're going to keep this game close at all, they're going to have to rely on those two guys, and they're going to have to rely on that defense, which has played better. I just saw, by the way, Levante David, who requested a trade back in the offseason, said he regretted uh, requesting that trade, actually loves playing with the guys that he's with right now. So uh, whether that's some gamesmanship or whatever, I I truly believe him uh, because sometimes it takes you got to get back in that locker room space uh, to to kind of really feel it again. So this defense is playing playing pretty well, and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are going to have to turn into uh, Jerry Rice and Randy Moss for them to win this game. Quack, let's go to you. Philly at Tampa. Philly favored by four and a half. Yeah, I I like Philly. I, I just have a. I know it's in Tampa. I know the Bucks have surprised people, like Goose referenced. Interesting what's going on with Baker Mayfield. The, the, he was basically being written out of the league. Um, oh, where's he going to wind up? Oh, he winds up in Tampa. Oh, that's cute. You know, let's the team's going to be terrible. Um, impressed to this point with what he's done. And Todd Bowles, regardless of how terrible a press conference he gives and how awful he sounds with the nasal stuff, after, well, we didn't know, you know, we, he plays, he gets his team to play defense. He gets his team to play defense. Um, so, so I hope the Bucks win. There's just no way I see it happening. But I just somebody, I just want somebody to knock that look off Sirianni's face too. Every oh, time God, the camera yes. cuts to Sirianni, he's got this smug look on his face. Like I know more than you, dude. You got a Pro Bowl roster. If you don't win, you're a complete failure. So I hope the Bucks upset him. At home, I just don't see it happening. And I know we're going to dock to close it out. There is one other game, though, that I thought of that I was looking at here that is interesting that maybe we can tack on here at the end. Uh, sure. Commander's Bills, given given the storylines of both those mm-hmm. two teams to this point this year. But, Doc, uh, your thoughts on the Eagles and the Bucks down there in Tampa? Well, I look at the – it's the season where two weeks in, you look at those 2-0 and teams. I kind of categorize the Bucks maybe somewhat – with the commanders, like, hmm, you know, I, I'm i not convinced yet, you know, just based on the first two games. Both Philly and Tampa Bay have shown they could stop the run, but I think this is an easy pick. I like uh, with Goose, I'll hand him some of my money as well. <laughs> we'll, uh, you know, lay lay the points. I think the, the Eagles will win. The Eagles win by at least 10. Um, certainly like Hurts over May. Mayfield, I could see Mayfield making mistakes again frequently and late in this game, and I think Philly pulls away at the end. 
So, Crook, it's funny you mentioned Bills at Washington because the next segment I was going to put $5 on for the fellas and go over a couple of scores that we could put the uh, the winner and the over-under on, see what we can make happen. And the first one would be Bills at Washington. Bills have a six-and-a-half um, point favorite and the over-under set at 43-and-a-half. We could all come to one consensus. We'll pick it and we'll move on to the next game. At the end of the parlay, I'll let you guys know what the odds are. So Bills at Washington, six and a half, over under 43 and a half. We could call this the J parlay. Oh, Ooh. there you go. Oh, I'm not French. There you go. But <laughs> I flipped the bird. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Uh, listen, I, I think the six and a half on the road, that's, I, that's a good amount of points. I know we're still looking to find out about Washington, but I don't know about you guys. I'm still trying to find out which Josh Allen we're going to see. Will the real Slim Shady please stand up? I mean, what Josh Allen are we going to get? Is it going to be the careless Josh Allen in the in the Jets game? It, are the Jets just going to be the team that always has his number? I don't know. We're going to find out. I think six and a half is a lot. I think this game ends up closer than a lot of people think. I like the Bills to win it, uh, but definitely I, I like this game to be closer than six and a half. I really do. We'll go with a two-thirds vote out of you three. Crock, let's go to you. Um, Bills at Washington, six and a half for the Bills, over under at 43 and a half. I will say, I mean, as much as it pains me to, <clears throat> to say it, because I, I don't want to like the Commanders. They're in the NFC East. I love the Commanders getting six and a half points at home in this game against the Bills. Um, commanders have a good defensive front. Uh, Sam Howell, under the direction of Eric Bieniemy, has looked very good. He played a heck of a game. Uh, granted, a game that turned on a non-pass interference call or ended on a non-pass interference call last week on that two-point conversion attempt. Blatant PI that they didn't call. But either way, the, the, the commanders were down 21-3 in that game. And they came back and took a commanding lead, no pun intended, to go ahead, I believe, around 10 until the Broncos came back again. So I love that six-and-a-half spread. I think... If I had to take one, I'd take the under in that game. Uh, actually, now you know. Now I'm thinking about the enemy. Give me the over. I'll take the over. Although that's not a bet I'm making in real life. I'm not betting the over under in that game. But I I love the Commanders plus six and a half. Don't worry, I could scrap five bucks for this to become a legitimate bet because <laughs> I like it a lot. Doc, let's go to you. Bills at Washington, six and a half points for the Bills. Over under at forty three and a half. Now you're laying the five bucks based I'm on laying. consensus. I'm laying the five bucks based on consensus. Well, I'm going against these other guys. If I'm going to bet on this game, I'm taking the bills. I'm laying the points. They'll win by seven or eight to 10, somewhere in there. I like Allen over Howell. Um, Allen, why you don't think he's looked as good. He's completed a far greater percentage of his passes than Howell. And again, I'm I'm not sold on Howell. I, I watched him. He was a gunslinger at UNC. I watched a lot of him in college. I'm just not convinced yet. Um, betting on this game, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay the six and a half. Um, that over under, what's it? Forty three. You said forty three and a half. Yes. I got to pick that too. Yep. Ooh. Uh, I'm gonna go under. Oof. Goose, what'd you get again? 27. It's going to be like 27, 13, something like that. So it's under. Goose, yeah, what, I, like, what were you? I, I like, I like the under. So we'll like go with under. Washington and we'll go with, we'll go with the under there. 
Okay, moving on. Bears at Chiefs. Now, the reason I bring up this game is because the Chiefs are favored by 12.5 points despite only scoring under 20 twice, I think. Yeah, and the over-under set at 47.5. Doc, let's go to you. Bears at Chiefs, 12.5 points, 47.5. It's So the what's the line again? So uh, the Chiefs are favored by 12.5 points. They're home, okay. and 47.5 points is the set at the over-under. Well, I didn't like what I heard today with uh, Justin Fields and all that stuff going on. And they're, I think, what, the defensive coordinator stepped down. Yep. So I think there's a little turmoil there. I like the Chiefs at home by 14 to 17. So um, I'm going to take the, the, the Chiefs. I'll lay the points and I'll go with the over. Uh, the Chiefs at home against the Bears team that right now thinks they're a little dicey in that organization. I think they'll uh, win it big going away. Croc, let's go to you. Bears at Chiefs. Chiefs favored by 12.5 points. Over under set at 47.5. Yeah, I think this is a bloodbath for the Bears. The Bears are a mess. They're a mess. Top to bottom, the team is in utter in shambles right now. The quarterback doesn't know where he's going. The coaching doesn't seem to know what it's doing. I mean, he's got, what, two design runs so far this year. Breaks down, he looks terrible. Good throwing the ball. They are just, they're a complete mess. And all the stuff going on this week, it's impossible for it not to be a major distraction. And you're telling me you got to travel to Arrowhead with all this going on? Oh, please. 12 and a half. Give me 22 and a half. This game ain't going to be close. I, I'm actually going to take the under, though, because I'm going to, I'm going to say it's going to be like 36 10, um, which will put it just under. I think if, if you get the over, it's because the Chiefs basically hit the number by themselves. So, Goose, you're the deciding factor here on the over-under. Um, we're going with the Chiefs regardless of uh, the input here, but Chiefs favorite 12.5 points, over-under set at 47.5. Yeah, it feels like Justin Fields broke one of the solemn rules in sports, which is you never call out your teammates publicly and you never call out your coaching staff publicly. You Ooh. just don't do it. You don't, you don't ever do it. And those are, you could say whatever you want. You can say the opponent cheated. You could do all these things. You'd never call out your teammates and you never call out your coaches. Uh, so him saying what he said was, was very interesting. Yeah. I, and I think this is a game typically you'd be like, oh, maybe Kansas city is overlooking the bears. Except for the fact that Kansas city hasn't been Kansas city so far this year. And they need a quote, get right game. And so I think the bears are in a really bad spot. And obviously, you know, all that's going on in that organization, it's kind of, it's just, it's just a wild, wild week. It's a bad week for them too. I think that this is tough. This is tough. I kind of see what Crocky's saying. Like I could see this game being 35, 10, uh, but you know what? Life's too short to bet the under go the over. I love it. We move on to the last matchup of the betting parlay, the Rams at the Bengals Monday night. The Bengals are only favored by two and a half points, despite no Cooper cup for the Rams. The over-under set at 43-and-a-half. Goose, let's go back to you. Then we'll go to Doc, and then Crocky could finish this one. Rams at Bengals, two-and-a-half for the Bengals, 43-and-a-half. Goose, you start. I, I just, and and I feel, I'm going to make this sound so simple, but it's not, right? But the, the question is, is how do you pick the Bengals? How do you, like, from what we've seen, which has just been utter garbage, uh, I know they scored 24 points against the Ravens, but the Ravens' defense isn't, we're not looking at the 2000s Ravens defense, okay? The, the what 
what are we seeing out of the Bengals? And Joe Burrow's not getting healthier. Honestly, if there was a bet, Joel's, I'd say he's not going to make it through the whole game. I, I don't see how he can if he continues to push it. That's if he even plays to start with. I don't like the Bengals in this one. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, th- their return to Monday Night Football. I- I'm not a big fan of of the Bengals right now. I just don't see it. I know they need this game in the worst way, so there's a, there's an argument there. But I really like what the Rams are doing. McVay and that coaching staff is squeezing every ounce of talent out of that team. And I don't really think Cam Akers hasn't really done anything special for them. So I don't think him leaving, and he was inactive last week, by the way, anyway. So it's not like that's going to cause some conniption. Uh, and, and 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 your boy there, receiver, has just been otherworldly. And so I, I think that continues. I like the Rams in this one. Doc, let's go to you. Your boy Nuka and the LA Rams take on Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals at home are favored by two and a half points and the over-under set at 43 and a half. Well, you know, we talked about Cam Akers going to Minnesota, and the reason why is because the Notre Dame guy in the Rams' backfield, just want to point that out, Kyron Williams, who I had once hoped would stay another year at ND. I thought that would have served him well. But anyway, he's the guy now. Um, I hear all your points. I just can't see the Bengals going 0-3. I I, I can't see it if the line is uh, 2.5. You know, I'll give those points. I think they'll they'll win the game. Um, as far as the over under at what is it forty three and a half? Yep. It's a tough one. I'm going to go over because I think they'll they'll both score a lot. I'm looking at. 27 24 28 24 that's going to get you you know north of 50 so i'll go with the over and i'll take the Bengals and lay the points i just can't see the Bengals going 0 three at home uh goose real quick did you take the over under there i don't think you did i did not pick it but i will take uh doc convinced me i'll take the over all right crocs here to the deciding factor of what team we're choosing here and we're going with the over rams at Bengals, two and a half points for the Bengals, 43 and a half we're going over yeah, I mean, it's a this is really a make-or-break game for the Bengals in a season that came in with such huge expectations with Burrow now hobbling around. Um, hasn't looked good. Has not looked good. The team hasn't looked good. And, you know, if things go south with this team, the, the, they start having the head coach as the season goes on. While I agree that I don't see the Bengals going 0-2, I... Um, I, the Rams just have something. There's something there. I don't know what it is. And, and not just uh, Puka at receiver. They got another rookie, Tutu Atwell, who has like 15 catches. So uh, what McVay does with that offense, with Stafford at quarterback, and the running backs have always been interchangeable. A Ram is the one of the worst running backs you can own in fantasy football. You never know. Week to week, who the heck is going to get 15, 20 carries and who's going to get one or two or zero? Um, I know I'm upsetting the apple cart here, but I'm taking the Rams to cover that two and a half points in Cincinnati. I would love it if it was three, three and a half, but I'm going to take the Rams at two and a half with with a hobbled Joe Burrow. The over-under, I'll go with the over. I, I think it's tight. I think it's very tight, particularly with the Bengals offense that has not looked like itself these first couple of weeks 
against a Rams offense that has looked better than I think probably any of us thought it would, particularly with no Cooper Cup. I mean, yeah, so let's uh, set this up. It's $5 to win 188 plus 3,771. I like our odds. <laughs> That's tremendous. So you're saying I, there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> there's a big and chance. That, and that's Jay's parlay, <laughs> baby. Oh, yeah. Go. That's there basically go. all I got for uh, what Goose texted me. But, yeah, Goose, floor's yours. Yeah, no, guys, listen, I, I think that's – I think we've uh, we've emptied the tank here tonight. Uh, we've definitely had a lot of fun. And, again, we hope uh, that our listeners continue to have fun. And, you know, again, get more people involved. We are on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon uh, podcasting right now. We'll get those links out to you. All you got to do is just ask us for them. Uh, we, we have no problem. Everybody can kind of distribute those. We're working on uh, some different things with our artwork, our music, uh, some sound effects. We're going to get it all pumping for you guys. And uh, it starts with these guys right here in this room. Uh, who do an excellent job uh, and, and are very, very helpful and do an excellent job breaking down uh, games and lines and stuff like that. They make my life a lot easier. And uh, it, so, listen, we're just starting. Although I will say, guys, of note, big news this week. This podcast is a top 50 sports podcast in Vietnam. We are making our way up the charts in Vietnam. Now, that's where Forrest Gump started, right? The the legend of Forrest Gump, uh, not only obviously through the running and getting his legs, then he went to Vietnam, right? As we all remember the movie. So uh, we could be in for a prosperous journey uh, after that. So, uh, But that's just our news for the week. Joel, uh, you have our socials there, sir? I mean, should I, should I refrain from promoting those until they get going? Or should, should I throw those out? Oh, why not? We need followers. Well, Love well, people to follow. Not? Tweet at us. Why not? Because I'm not signed into it. But yeah, our um, X account <laughs> or Twitter account is at uh, the front off pod. It's P H E F R O O F F P O D, I believe. Yes. And our Instagram is the same thing. And yeah, any questions, comments, concerns, or anything, you could yell at us there. And uh, shout out Vietnam for guerrilla warfare. We move. <laughs> Joel's. I love the fact that you promoted our Instagram, and we don't even have one. We will have one. Yes, we will. We will have the one. That's all coming, That's ladies what I'm and gentlemen. Should I? Shouldn't Doc, I? Doc, any uh, any closing remarks here as we end episode two? No, it's just awesome sitting and talking with you guys, talking sports, talking a lot of football this week. Um, looking forward to continuing. And uh, on a personal note, I'm looking forward to a great weekend of football. Uh, tomorrow, I'll be heading out to State College. I got the whiteout on Saturday night the same time Notre Dame Ohio State so I may not, I may tailgate before the whiteout just not go into the whiteout ND Ohio State with my daughter at Pitt I got Pitt UNC also on at the same time and then Steelers Vegas Sunday night what a weekend of college and NFL football both those golf in that schedule soon don't you worry <laughs> Which, hey, you guys you guys guys come out that'd be great I'm going to figure it down week- right now, but oh, I might. I got a weekend later in the year, in a late October, early November. I'm doing Notre Dame Pitt, coming back to Pittsburgh, doing Steelers Tennessee Thursday night, Pitt Florida State on Saturday, also in Acrisure, and then heading back to State College for Notre Dame Penn State College Hockey. And if you guys ever watch wow. college hockey, it's awesome. So, uh, 
a lot a lot of sports for the doc this fall when uh there's no observations and evaluations to write <laughs> no doubt no doubt crocky any last words Hey, look, uh, it's going to be a great weekend. It always is in the National Football League. And, uh, yeah, it's almost – I don't know if it's going to be a blessing or a curse that the Giants play. I think it's more a blessing that the Giants play Thursday night this week. We get to relax on Sunday and watch other games, watch other teams. Yes, the the Steelers have the floor to themselves with Las Vegas Sunday night, so we'll be watching that. But just to have a nice, relaxing – Sunday of football, although my fantasy team is 0-2 and besieged by injuries. So uh it is it's not been pretty to this point, but uh but yeah, it's always awesome being here, talking sports, all these segments, going through everything. So a pleasure to be with you boys as always. Jules. Yeah, I mean, I love this. You know, May. My energy is <laughs> to the roof. I'm having a great time. I don't even care what time it is. This was a blast. <laughs> well, uh, we'll make sure we'll do it again. Uh, we'll make sure there's an episode three. As I, as I always promise, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, continue to ride the same. We're not coming out with daily podcasts, stuff like that. Uh, but the boys are buzzing. And the boys are having a lot of fun. So I want to thank everybody for being here for episode two. And uh, we'll catch you all in episode three. We'll see you the, soon. The boys will get a mic and a golf course round soon. You better believe it.